There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Why does the government not get? I cannot believe the headlines that assaulted me this morning. It was so bad that I literally slammed down the lid of my laptop, probably causing it to be broken forever. It's got the proverbial blue screen, but I was just, I have another laptop obviously, but I was just so, so angry. You know, the first thing that greets me is our doddering, pathetic president of the United States who tested negative for COVID-19 today, but whose wife tested positive yet again uh, yesterday. She has some mild system symptoms, rather. Oh, I'm just so angry. I can barely contain myself. Uh, she has some mild symptoms after testing positive on Monday. What do these people take a test every day? I mean, if you have mild symptoms, I'm just going to ask this question. If I have like mild cold or flu systems, I don't rush in and get a COVID test. So, of course, they tested the president yesterday and today. He tested negative both days. That doesn't have any symptoms. But he's going to be masking while indoors and while around people in alignment with CDC guidance, according to his press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre. And he will not wear a mask if he is sufficiently distanced from others and while he is outdoors. The White House said he will otherwise maintain a regular testing cadence in light of the First Lady's positive test. He's supposed to leave on Thursday for India. There's a Group of 20 summit. He's supposed to be there three days, then go to Vietnam to meet with the people there. And Jean-Pierre said Biden will take a COVID-19 test before departing for India, but his testing cadence would otherwise be determined in consultation with his physician. Uh, you know, you must refuse to comply. I don't care that the first lady has COVID-19 yet again, or whatever it is that she has, COVID uh, LMNOP. We better learn how to live with the flu and with colds and with all the rest of it. We used to know how to live with them. We used to stay home, drink plenty of fluids, and not, you know, kiss anybody. Now it's like, oh, lockdowns. Well, we got to go back to masks. I saw that moron Fauci over the weekend telling everybody, look, I'm really concerned that you're not going to wear masks when you're told to. Of course you're concerned. You're losing your grip on power over all of us. This afternoon I will be dropping over 100 you-must-refuse-to-comply buttons in multiple envelopes to your homes, those of you that requested them. And I'm going to tell you right now, Put that button on and you must refuse to comply. This is crazy land. 
This makes no sense at all. Well, it makes sense if you think that what they're trying to accomplish is to get you all back indoors and get you all convinced that you have to vote by mail and that all the mail-in ballots that come in are legit. And then they have nothing better to do. These people are so pathetic. They have nothing better to do then talk about how, oh, you know, Donald Trump's body language shows a lack of uh, fight or a diminished desire to fight. Oh, give me a break. The last thing anybody should be saying about Donald Trump is that he has a slimmer, sadder look and that his body language and his posture are not uh, the fight posture that everybody thought he was going to have. He was just welcomed by a bunch of these Bikers for Trump group. He spent the Labor Day with his fans, praising them on social media before he head back to the city. You know, he's at Bedminster, his golf club. While Joe Biden was lying on the beach, like a, a beached whale, a pale, you know, creature lying on a beach. This is crazy. They, they want you to not believe your eyes. Whatever it is that you see, they disagree. Therefore, it must be untrue. You should see this Photoshop picture of Trump. And you know it's Photoshop because the people in the background have been blurred. You know, like the Secret Service guy and whoever else was standing around him, all been blurred. And instead, you have this picture of a slimmer, sadder looking version of Donald Trump. What the, you know, what do they want? When he's defiant, they get angry. What is he defiant about? What does he mean no surrender? You know, that they get angry at that. Then if he's like quiet, a little bit quiet and just walking. I mean, the guy's got four major lawsuits that he's dealing with. So, I'm, you know, he's still waving to his supporters and he's still applauding them when he gets out of his car, raises his fist as they're cheering, people yelling, I love you, you know, let's go. But the body expert, the body language expert, Judy, took a closer look at Trump's appearance and explained how we're seeing a different version of Trump here. When Trump arrived at the airport for his court appearance, he looked like an actor called back from an encore, peacocking with his posture. He stood tall and to attention as he thanked the invisible fans for their inaudible applause with an air of invincible confidence. First of all, what kind of language is that? Invisible fans? Does anybody on the left really think his fans are invisible? I think we're highly visible. I think we're noisy. I think we annoy the crap out of the left. But we're hardly invisible. Nor is there inaudible applause when he goes anywhere. The applause and the shrieking and the carrying on is like a, a rock star. And an air of invincible confidence. He always has that. Some of the gestures might look the same. She goes, this is crazy. They, they're really, they're so demented. This is somebody's therapist. But this slimmer, sadder looking version has an air of vulnerability behind the posturing. The puffed alpha splay has crumpled and the defiant gaze looks slightly more pleading to imply a sense of martyrdom as the trial looms. Is she writing a novel, or is she telling you what her 
expertise uh, has determined is the physical standard of Donald Trump. What is wrong with these people? And I know some people personally who really enjoy this. Look, I don't send every email that I receive and every news article, links to every news article that I receive, which tell you basically that Ron DeSantis is toast. I don't feel I have to send that to people. You know, they like the guy. They wanted him. And maybe they'll still get him. I don't know. But I don't glory in his bad press. It's so sick. About the only news story that I think really spoke to me this weekend was the story of how people could not get out of Burning Man. Now, first and foremost, Burning Man is something I cannot wrap my mind around. My friend Fane Lozman goes to it. I know a ton of people who go to Burning Man. This, I don't know what you could call it. What is it, a festival out in the middle of Nevada in the desert? So what ends up happening this time, they, they got rained on. You know, welcome to the summer, you know. It, Friday's rain turned the entire site into a quagmire and closed off the exits. Now, I know I'm dating myself, but does anybody remember Woodstock and the rain? I mean, some of you had to have been there or had friends who were there or at least watched the movie. It was a quagmire of mud. It was virtually impossible to exit from Woodstock until days after the event. So, of course, Burning Man went through the same rain, but apparently, because these are generally well-to-do people who go to Raining Man, Rain Man, Burning Man, whatever it's called. I call it Rain Man, which tells you exactly what I think about it. But the people who were, you know, at Burning Man, they were in like RVs and campers. Now, when I went to Woodstock, we had a blanket. Three of us, one blanket. That was it, okay? <laughs> we were dependent on other people for food and beverage. And of course, many people were partying out, depending on other people for pot and LSD and all the rest of the things that were used at Woodstock. Don't think that Burning Man or Rain Man isn't another drug orgy, because it is. Everybody I know who's been there says, oh yeah, you know, crowds of people, lots of uh, pot. But boy, when you look at the scene that I saw the filming of people trying to get out, you know, in their BMWs and in their, you know, campers and in their RVs, it's pretty hilarious. It went on and on for miles, vehicles trying to leave the event. And it was a weekend of misery is how they described it. Now, I have to tell you, I wouldn't have described when I left Woodstock as a weekend of misery. It was phenomenal. I mean, it was the first time that my generation, and actually a generation a little bit older than me, but I was there. We were just, we were loving it. We were grooving. We didn't care about the rain. We had like every major rock and roll band in the world was there from Great Britain and, and of course, all the American bands, folk guys, and it was just amazing. 
Richie Havens doing the national. Oh, come on. It was just fantastic. I, I don't care how long it took to get out. Nobody was complaining. Ah, but Burning Man, very upset. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the fi finale of this event is they burn the man. I don't know what that means, but that's what they do. Uh, the The behavior of the people, accordingly, did not fall within the 10 principles of Burning Man. I didn't know they had 10 principles. Let me tell you, at Woodstock, we didn't have any principles, and that was quite obvious. The unusual weather delayed the arrival of the emergency services when some young man named Leon Reese collapsed on Saturday. So now there's... Uh, now we have a dead man at the Burning Man Festival. Ay, ay, ay. And then they burn this big statue of a man. Okay. You know, maybe somebody can someday explain that to me, but it sure didn't look like Woodstock. It looked more like, uh, you know, I don't know what it looked like. They all have their, like, you know, Konica Canon cameras hanging around their neck. <laughs> Oh, they were not prepared for the rain, I can tell you that. Anyway, so that was the news story for me instead of Donald Trump's body language. But look, I read it all, I try to digest it all, and then I tell you what I think. And mostly what I think is the media is completely oblivious as to what the American people are thinking or what the American people want. They don't care. You're just deplorables, a whole basket full of you deplorables. Don't forget to download the app, the 850WFTL app, or visit our website, 850WFTL.com. That way you can participate in all of our contests. You can get the new, the latest No Restraint podcast where I basically turn into, uh, you know, a, a, a rush wannabe talking about feminism and how it is literally destroying an entire generation, destroying it. I've never imagined this happening before. It's not what we meant to happen. Anyway, so you can listen to that on your, download it on your app, or you can listen at the website, whatever you want to do. For now, let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. It actually drove me back to bed. It's, uh, you know, I, not that I could sleep, but I, I just had to crawl under the covers. Because as if it wasn't enough, to hear about Donald Trump's body language and all the defense co-defendants are all turning on him. Of course they are. What do you think the uh, you know the, the prosecutors are trying to do? They're trying to make a case. And since they have no evidence, they have to get testimony. They have to take depositions and tell people, if you don't say what we want you to say, your wife is going to be dragged in. I mean, what they did to Michael Flynn, what they did to Papadopoulos, what they did to Carter Page, when you think about how they have absolutely no restraint, no morality, no, no nothing, no decency, then nothing surprises you. So those headlines, as much as they disturbed me, they weren't what drove me under the covers. What drove me under the covers is a headline, I think it was in CNN Business, that um, that said, Elon Musk blames the ADL 
for 60% ad sales decline at X and threatens to sue. Now, let me start out in all fairness. At one point in time, I worked for this station, 850, but it was owned by a different company. And we had a studio in Fort Lauderdale. And the studio happened to be in an office building. And inside of that office building were the headquarters of the Anti-Defamation League. Now, once upon a time, the ADL was a phenomenal organization whose sole purpose was to point out instances of anti-Semitism in America, whether it was in advertising or it was in media portrayals, uh, uh, until they finally decided that they didn't like Israel, which is kind of interesting for an organization that's supposed to be standing up for Jews. Uh, I mean, Israel is the nation for Jews. But hey, listen, for a while, I still paid some attention to what the ADL said. And then the leadership got crazier and crazier and crazier. So the Anti-Defamation League is now literally the end-all and be-all, along with the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is another corrupt organization that can determine what is and isn't hate speech, including in the wild, wild west of the internet. So they're messing with the wrong guy. Okay, because the owner of X, formerly known as Twitter, Elon Musk, is not afraid of the Anti-Defamation League and is now about to sue them for defamation. And let me tell you something. At one point, I teased on the air, this was, gosh, 15, 16 years ago. I want to think of when exactly it was. It was after my motorcycle. Yeah, it was like 15 or 16 years ago. And... I teased on the air that if the Anti-Defamation League didn't back off the, let's see, when was the Tea Party? Well, it was right around the Tea Party time, just prior to the Tea Party time. And they were already all insane and incensed against any Republican who said anything, uh, was immediately branded an anti-Semite, and there, of course, uh, moved uh, the needle for a lot of uh, commentary, including on the radio. So at one point, they were talking about talk radio. They had put out some press release about talk radio. And I got on the air and I said, if they keep this up, we're all going to sue them for defamation. And the next week or so, I would come into the lobby of the building and there would be these ADL guys. I'm not going to name any of them because I think they're, you know, uh, uh, the CEO right now is Jonathan Greenblatt, a real piece of work. But at the, uh, 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 you know, at that time, it wasn't Greenblatt. And I'm not naming who it was because he was despicable. But he bumped into me in the lobby. And all he said, and, you know, listen, he had every right to say it. He said, bring it on. And I said, bring what on? I didn't even know what he was talking about. He said, well, I heard you, uh, you, you want to sue us for defamation. The whole talk radio universe is against us. I said, no, we're not. You know, but we just don't want you telling us that everything is anti-Semitic. You know, just because people don't like something doesn't mean they're anti-Semites. So a, a ban the ADL campaign has now been spreading on X 
And the ADL is accusing Elon Musk of starting it and, and promoting it. ADL is unsurprised yet undeterred that anti-Semites, white supremacists, they're always with the white supremacists, conspiracy theorists, and other trolls have launched a coordinated attack on our organization. This type of thing is nothing new, an ADL spokesperson said. Now, the Center for Countering Digital Hate has said that the volume of hate speech on websites is growing, including on X, formerly known as Twitter. They found the daily use of the N-word is triple the 2022 average. Now, and the use of slurs against uh, trans persons is up and blah, blah, blah. And here I am, look at me. I mean, listen to me, please. And try to, you know, put aside all your idiotic ideas. That is not anti-Semitic slurs against gay people or trans people, the use of the N-word, that's just out and out disgusting behavior by disgusting people who we should give no, uh, pay no attention to unless they incite violence. And most of the time, they don't incite anything. They talk to themselves. Maybe they find another five people in the World Wide Web that they can spew that stuff at. But free speech include speech that's very unsavory. You know, I try to be mindful when I speak, and I'm particularly mindful that the Communications Commission does not allow certain words to be uttered over the airwaves. And I behave with respect in that regard. Because believe me, there are times when I really like to use some of those words. But I don't. I don't generally use them anyway. But this morning... Let me tell you, when I slammed down my laptop cover, the word on the tip of my tongue was not holy. It was the antithesis of holy, especially when I opened it back up and saw the blue screen. It was really the word I wanted to say is not allowed on the air. But all I can tell you is I go on X, formerly known as Twitter, I'm not back in full force. I don't like to do a lot of posting because I just feel as though people just misinterpret everything anyway. So I just watch. I get a feel for what people are talking about and how they're talking about. I have never seen the N-word in all the time I spend on X. And I'm on there, I guess, a cumulative two or three hours a week, okay? And I have not seen uh, white supremacy being promoted on there. Mostly I'm looking at people or following people who are talking about politics. And you know, only the left gets vicious. The right tries to make some sense of it all. And yes, does a lot of complaining and whining, which I don't really like. But they don't promote Nazism. What is that? He sued the CCDH, which is that first, uh, you know, uh, group I talked about, the Center for Counseling Digital Health, Hate, whatever. He sued them. And he said they were deliberately trying to drive advertisers away from the platform by publishing reports critical of the way the platform responds to hateful content. He says they violated the platform's terms of service by scraping data from the company's platform. You see, you cannot mess with these geniuses. You can't uh, go behind closed doors and steal information off of X, formerly known as Twitter, and this guy not know it. So we'll see. The truth is not what they say it is.
the truth is that if Twitter is a free speech platform, there's going to be some ugly stuff on there. And you have to learn how not to involve yourself in that ugly stuff. But let me tell you something. They think things that I say are ugly things. You know, they don't like if I support Donald Trump. They don't like if I call Hillary Clinton a name. But that doesn't make me an anti-Semite or a racist or a misogynist or a homophobe or any of those other things. It just makes me free. How about that? We got men and women fighting overseas to make the world more free. But here in the United States, I got the Anti-Defamation League determining what is and isn't anti-Semitism. ADL, maybe you should spend more attention watching uh, Representative Ilhan Omar or watching uh, Rashida Tlaib or AOC and all those actual anti-Semites. That might be a better uh, usage of your time and your press releases. Just saying, you know, forgive me for being sensible about it. Anyway, let me take a break. Don't forget that uh, we got lots more. You got a whole bit left with me, two more segments. And then, of course, Eric Erickson comes on board. So just stay right where you are. I'll be right back. On my uh, thought of the day today, which you get to hear, I guess, in the six o'clock hour and at some other points in the day, I talked about you know, this insanity that you hear people talking about that under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment that Donald Trump is ineligible for the presidency. And I've now, look, I tell you all the time, I'm not a lawyer. I don't pretend to be a lawyer. I did give birth to a lawyer. And I have access to lots of lawyers, lots of legal opinions. If you listen to Mark Levin, he's a lawyer and a constitutional scholar. If you listen to Ted Cruz, who's an elected representative, he's a constitutional scholar. If you listen to uh, everybody, Lawrence Tribe, if you listen to uh, Jonathan Turley, these guys understand the Constitution, right? So ultimately, I keep reading that you cannot use the 14th Amendment to keep Donald Trump off of the ballot even though he's now fighting legal battles on multiple fronts over whether he even has the right to be on the ballot. You know, this is crazy. They just can't stop. So now they're stepping up these efforts to disqualify him. And this is all based on a, a, a provision of the 14th Amendment during the immediate aftermath of the Civil War. Now think about that for a second. They're saying that because he took the oath of office and subsequently, quote, engaged in insurrection or rebellion or gave aid or comfort to the enemies during the January 6th, uh, whatever you want to call it, what, he should not be eligible to be on ballots, which, by the way, get decided on a state-by-state -state basis. It's already been uh, come to the attention of the uh, supervisor of elections in Arizona, in Michigan, and in New Hampshire, and New Hampshire is an early primary state. You got a bunch of these nonprofits who are probably heavily funded by George Soros and the likes. They're moving forward with a push to get some states on board with this argument, and they're, they're preparing their lawsuits. And we're getting close to the Republican presidential primary, and we're getting close to seeing just exactly how demented they have become. Here's section three of the 14th Amendment. I read this because I know a lot of you hear all this 
on the radio or watch it on TV, but you don't really actually take the time to look at these amendments, okay? Section three of the 14th Amendment states, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress, now hold on, this is important, but Congress may by a vote of two-thirds of each house remove such disability. So this is the disqualification cause that was ratified after the Civil War when the Southern guys, states were sending individuals to Congress who had literally been officials in the Confederacy during the Civil War. And so if you apply this specifically to that time period, Section 3 was designed and meant to bar those individuals from these federal positions of power. They were actually in a war. <laughs> they actually took a position opposite the Constitution. Now, how does that even remotely remember, uh, resemble what they're talking about? This, this is not a qualification like uh, you have to be 35 years old to be president. You have to be a natural-born citizen to be president. No. So when Donald Trump, who, by the way, according to the body experts, is looking defeated, he responded on Truth Social that the use of the 14th Amendment to disqualify him from the ballot is a trick, and it's election interference. They don't have the authority. State election officials do not have the authority to bar candidates. And Donald Trump did not engage in an insurrection that Section 3 should not apply to a candidate before an election and that an act of Congress is needed to enforce Section 3. So basically, they can't even try this until he's been elected. And he's never served in another office. So how, how does he count as an officer under the clause? He wasn't, you know, a Confederate general. He wasn't the head of the Tea Party. He wasn't anything. So what are they talking about? But, you know, it's an issue, and they love it. They just can't help themselves. You know, once you hear the name Adam Schiff, and he's heavily involved in this, and Tim Kaine, the guy who ran as the VP with Hillary, once you hear their names, my red flags go up immediately. And I know that whatever we're now talking about is like Russian collusion, okay? And it will turn out to be a big nothing burger. And Jonathan Turley, who is not a conservative, although he'll take a conservative position just like uh, Dershowitz, he just stands up for the Constitution. And they are all saying, no, 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 no. That's, that's the legal theory about the 14th Amendment disqualifying Trump. Uh, maybe, you know, Michael Luddig, the uh, conservative, and Lawrence Tribe, the liberal, who wrote a piece in the Atlantic magazine uh, telling how you could use Section 3 to, with the former president, nah, uh, 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 it, doesn't, it doesn't hold water. It really doesn't. 
Asa Hutchinson brought the issue up in a debate. Come on, guys. You know, when Adam Schiff, who served as the lead impeachment manager during Trump's first impeachment, when he said on Sunday on television, the clear terms of the 14th Amendment, Trump should be disqualified from holding office. All I could hear was, I've got proof that there was Russian collusion as he runs for the U.S. Senate, right, to replace Diane. I forgot my name. Where do I sit? Feinstein. There are two major routes that these anti-Trump groups are taking or considering to stop the former president. The first is to urge the state election authorities, like the secretaries of state, to rule that Trump should be excluded. Now, if an election authority decides that Trump is ineligible, he can challenge that in court. The second route is a candidacy challenge, although, you know, through the election board complaints and lawsuits. So let me tell you something. Why do these people not understand that the American people, you and me, we have a right to choose our candidate and then we have a right to elect our candidate. And you need to stop it. Stop it right now. You're doing more to destroy this republic than any person, even Donald Trump, could ever do. Even Barack Obama. Nobody could hurt this country as badly as these anti-Trumpers are hurting it. You all make me sick to my stomach. You have a right to take your positions. You have a right to make your case, but you don't have a right to turn the Constitution on its head. You don't have the right to tell media uh, reporters and the likes that you have a legitimate case and that you have proof when you don't. But that's what Adam Schiff did. That's what Nancy Pelosi did. That's what Chuck Schumer did. And what is the result? We get, they get to run again, and people get to decide whether or not they serve again. Even people like me, who know they're liars, and who know they have no interest in protecting this Constitution and this constitutional republic, even we have to say, but the people have a right to select their candidate and to vote for their candidate. End of story. But no, not the, not the left. The left wants to rewrite everything. The Constitution is a living, breathing document. And if we want it to mean this, then it means this. No, simply no. You must refuse to comply. I just got another request from, from, for a button. <laughs> and I have some. So you can always email me, joyceradio at gmail.com. Get yourself some buttons. Because I'm telling you, over 100 buttons are going to hit the mailbox today, this afternoon. I mean, they're all enveloped, stamped, ready to go. I'm sure the post office is going to go, what is this? Why are all these envelopes so thick, and why do they make a clinking sound? Well, it's because we refuse to comply. Let me take a break, and when I come back, I'll finish up the show. And then, of course, Eric Erickson will be following me. Tomorrow morning, Jen and Bill will be back, followed by Brian Kilmeade, followed by Dan Bongino, followed by Joyce Kaufman. So why would you even touch that dial? Leave it right where it is. I'll be right back. You know, I'm always interested in these stories that they run in, like, the Daily Star and all these papers that are just, they're niche stories because nobody likes to talk about them. And, and this is a story about a prison in South America, which has been abandoned by the guards and is now run by criminals who dish out their own justice. I kid you not, because after I read it, I did some research. 
The place is called San Pedro Prison, and it's the biggest in La Paz, which is the biggest city in Bolivia. And this prison holds approximately 3,000 dangerous inmates. And in, the, in many cases, the criminals' families also live inside the prison because their partners and children are safer inside the prison than on the streets. So the people who are in the prison right now are largely left to their own devices and they, they've developed their own government. They have a council who makes the rules, including dishing out their own punishments. In 2013, it was reported that a 12-year-old girl fell pregnant to a group of men inside the prison. Rapists and child molesters are treated with brutal zero-tolerance policy. And of course, stabbing is a common punishment. According to an author who follow, looks and does a lot of studies about this particular prison, according to author Rusty Young, when a sex offender arrives in the prison, a lynch mob forms and carries him through the corridor, and he will then either be electrocuted, stabbed, or beaten to death. They also have a swimming pool which has been used in several executions where the inmates band together and drown offenders. Young, this author, bribed his way into the jail and lived there for four months before he published a book called Marching Powder, which was just the story of one of the inmates, this Thomas McFadden, who was a small-time English drug smuggler. But it also... Uh, lifted the lid on the drug trafficking that runs inside the prison. McFadden ended up making a living by giving backpackers tours of the prison. But then they banned those when it emerged that tourists were also buying cocaine at the prison factory. He explained that inmates buy or rent their cells with each one given a rating from zero to five and a half stars. <laughs> You can't make this up. If an inmate can't afford to buy a room, they risk death as temperatures in the city drop dangerously low due to its location. Despite looking like a jail from outside, it is a little city with no guards or metal bars on the cell windows and inmates paying for their cells. They can be carpenters and launderers and even shoe shiners and sex workers also enter the prison. Golly, I mean, I guess we just don't know how to do it in our country. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at three o'clock, if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then of course, may God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. I will see you all tomorrow. Be well. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.